Hey all, Eric Christensen here, pharmacist with the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. And I'm back at you today with another episode. And I'm going to cover Oseltamivir, which is a medication that is indicated in the treatment uh, and prophylaxis of influenza. It's really, uh, at this point, our, our go-to in clinical practice. Obviously, that can change over time, so certainly uh, take a peek at guidelines and be sure to, to look out for any changes in the future. Uh, but the brand name here is Tamiflu, and the way this drug works is it inhibits uh, the viral enzyme neuraminidase. Now, this enzyme is necessary for the virus to basically be able to release uh, more virus, uh, proliferate, and obviously go on and continue uh, to infect uh, other cells throughout the body. Uh, with influenza, you know, common classic symptoms, uh, fever, body aches, uh, upper respiratory symptoms, uh, those are really the, the hallmark uh, symptoms as far as an influenza uh, infection there. Now with uh, treatment and prophylaxis, you've got to remember that there are different doses. And specifically talking about adults, uh, usual dosing is 75 milligrams once a day, and that's usually going to be your prophylactic dose uh, for a normal, healthy adult. Uh, for, a, uh, for treatment, excuse me, 75 milligrams twice a day. And prophylaxis is generally going to be for a longer period of time. Uh, treatment of influenza is generally only going to be for five days. And if you think about that, that really makes sense. The usual course of influenza is probably in that five to seven day period. Um, I, you know, I can speak from personal experience. I had influenza uh, several years ago now. And uh, first off, it's not very much fun. Um, the, the fever and the, and the body aches were definitely intense. Um, but personally, I, I did have symptoms kind of extend, uh, lingering respiratory symptoms extend past that five to, to seven day period. Usually the fever, the body aches, they kind of go away uh, after that, that five to seven day period. Again, that's, that's for most uh, typical, younger, generally healthy uh, patients. Now, an elderly, uh, that's the, the geriatric patient population that I work with most, uh, those lingering symptoms can be really problematic, and there's really a big risk of uh, secondary pneumonia and, and much greater risk for uh, complications with an influenza infection. That's why when talking about vaccination, um, those are the patients, the, the young and the old, uh, that we really worry about as far as uh, significant uh, impacts, as well as immunosuppressed and, and other patients at risk too. Uh, so the CDC, I did want to mention, uh, Centers for Disease Control is a good resource um, for you know how and, and when to use these uh, agents or when to use Oseltamivir for prophylaxis. So definitely go um, keep tabs on that, keep up to date with uh, when prophylaxis is and, and isn't recommended. Uh, important education point as far as treatment, uh, I've, I've definitely seen this come up before is, uh, you know, how soon do you start the drug as far as treatment? 
and you know when's kind of that cutoff time uh, for when the drug probably isn't going to be that effective anymore. So most of the time we want to get that drug started within 48 hours. Okay, that that's really our target, um, and that's of initiation of symptoms. So once the patient starts experiencing symptoms, uh, if we're gonna use treatment. Uh, with Oseltamivir, we want to get that drug started within 48 hours. Now, obviously, that isn't always, uh, you know, going to be acceptable because patients may not come, you know, they may try to tough it out for a day or two, and then if you're at that 48-hour period, uh, you know, or in that gray area, you know, what do we do? And so I have seen Oseltamivir given uh, beyond 48 hours, uh, generally, that's going to be in higher risk patients, uh, but it, there again, there's going to be kind of some clinical judgment as to whether um, we give it, you know, maybe if, it, if it's on day three or, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours um, post uh, the onset of the first symptom there. So kind of a, a challenging clinical uh, decision there sometimes. Important to note dosing. Uh, I did mention kind of the standard dosing. There is dose adjustments for uh, kidney function changes. So very, very important to remember that. Uh, I generally have to, to look it up to, to jog my memory. Uh, but 30 to 60 mils uh, at this point, it's, it's 30 milligrams BID. Uh, if you've got a patient with a creatinine clearance, uh, 10 to 30 mils, uh, that's 30 milligrams uh, once a day. So again, yeah, need to, to check those, those dosages out, need to uh, look at patient factors. Uh, prophylaxis, the dosing is a little bit less, which kind of makes sense. So 30 to 60 mils per minute, uh, 30 milligram dose, and 10 to 30 mils is 30 milligrams every other day. Uh, pediatrics, I'm not going to get into that into too much detail. It is a weight-based dose, uh, excuse me, a weight-based dosing. Uh, so be sure to to look at that if you've got a pediatric patient uh, that we're considering treatment or prophylaxis. Uh, let's get into uh, adverse effects a little bit. I, I you know, in, in my experience, I've seen that the drug is usually pretty well tolerated. Uh, GI adverse effects. Uh, nausea, vomiting, that can happen. Again, not incredibly common, um, but probably one of the, the more common ones. Uh, headache is reported in the literature. Um, rarely, uh, I have seen this come up once or twice in, in my career anyway. Um, psych issues, uh, psych changes, um, you know, delirium type symptoms um, have been, been reported. So definitely, you know, keep that in mind. You may want to uh, alert your patients to that if they notice any uh, psych changes. Uh, that may be a complication with the medication. Um, maybe you know a little higher risk in patients that maybe have poor kidney function and, and trouble clearing the drug. Um, whether that's due to the actual drug or due to uh, influenza, which you know. It obviously could could cause some stress to the body um, th that's maybe difficult and, and challenging to decipher and there may be some question as to what's exactly causing these 
uh, psych uh, changes? Is it the infection itself or is it the drug itself? So again, just something to look out for, something that's definitely um, been, been reported there as well. So let's take a quick break from our sponsor, meded101.com. If you're looking for resources, uh, pharmacist board certification, study materials, BCPS, uh, BCGP, BCACP, BCMTM, and uh, NAPLEX, uh, we've got all those resources. Go check out meded101.com store, and we've got links to all that. Uh, if you're a nurse, uh, pharmacy student, uh, med student, uh, physician looking for uh, clinical pearls, case studies, uh, go check out our uh, books, which are also linked up at that link, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. And uh, good resources there uh, for anyone looking to pick up some clinical practice pearls and really get some uh, real-life uh, education, if you will. So again, meded101.com slash store. You can check out those resources. Uh, so finishing up on drug interactions, uh, there really aren't a ton of clinically significant drug interactions with oseltamivir, uh, so that is uh, certainly a, a good thing. Uh, something that has come up before, um, or I have seen it asked anyway, is uh, the concern about you know giving flu vaccine, um, you know, with or after uh, giving oseltamivir, and it is important to note that this drug can. Uh, blunt the response of the flu vaccine. Uh, and again, I, I don't think, you know, this situation comes up really often, but there's probably about a two-week period that they recommend um, not giving the flu vaccine uh, in patients who have recently had uh, this medication for some reason. So an example here where I might think of it is, uh, you know, maybe somebody who's uh, getting prophylaxis uh, for some reason. Maybe they've, you know, been in recent contact with somebody uh, who has um, had influenza and we want to do prophylaxis for some reason. Well, giving that flu vaccine later on may be appropriate still, um, but we may want to wait uh, two weeks just to make sure that that uh, antiviral agent is out of the body and uh, make sure that that flu vaccine, we get the most bang for the buck. We want to make sure the drug doesn't inhibit uh, the activation of the immune system and inhibit um, the immune response to that vaccine. So just a, a little um, a clinical quirk there. Again, not going to probably come up real often in your practice, but uh, something I, I wanted to mention. Uh, Probenicid is an agent... Um, I have, uh, honestly, it's been a long, long time since I've seen it used. Uh, it can be used in, in gout um, to kind of, you know, lower the risk of a, of a gout flare there. This can increase concentrations of oseltamivir, so, you know, keep in mind some of those adverse reactions I, I mentioned. Uh, we may be at an increased risk if these agents are being used together. Uh, one other one... Um, uh, interestingly, oseltamivir is actually a, a pro-drug, and it's possible, theorized anyway, that clopidogrel could um, decrease concentrations of the active uh, metabolite of oseltamivir. So ultimately, this could lead in lead to a less 
uh, beneficial uh, response from using oseltamivir. So again, it's kind of controversial in the, the literature, uh, but there definitely are uh, numerous patients that do take clopidogrel. Uh, so I, I did uh, want to mention that. The thought, uh, the, the mechanism um, potentially is uh, inhibition of human uh, carboxy, carboxyl esterase. Uh, is how oseltamivir is actually activated to its um, active metabolite um, via that uh, enzyme. I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, um, have picked up some pearls, definitely leave us a kind rating review on iTunes. I'm greatly appreciative of, of all the folks that have taken the time to do that. That definitely helps us uh, grow the audience and, and certainly share uh, medication education uh, throughout uh, healthcare professionals. So that's appreciated. Uh, Reallifepharmacology.com, you can subscribe there and get a free 31-page PDF. Uh, it's on the top 200 drugs, a great resource for healthcare students and uh, young professionals for sure, where I lay out uh, clinical pearls for the uh, top 200 drugs are really important things that I've seen uh, come up on exams uh, as well as in uh, real life. So certainly go check that out. Uh, if you're inclined, definitely go support our sponsor, meded101.com uh, slash store is the link uh, that you can go to to find everything we've got there. And I'm going to sign off for today. Thanks so much for listening and have a good rest of your day.